0: Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, Avi. Welcome to the Top of the Class podcast. It's awesome to have you on the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. Hello. Hello, everyone. This is Grandmaster Abhimoney Mishra here. I'm the youngest international and grandmaster in the world.
0: Well, there you go. So um, it must be a bit of a thing to be introducing yourself now as Grandmaster Abhimanyu. How does that feel?
1: It feels amazing, finally, after all my hard work has finally paid off.
0: Yeah, it certainly does sound like a lot of hard work. I heard in one of your interviews that you're putting something like 12 hours a day into chess. Is that correct?
1: Yes, sometimes even more.
0: Wow, can you break that down a little bit for me? Because when I heard that number, I was like, does that mean that he's just playing for 12 hours a day or does that also mean you're reading or you're studying past games? Like what does 12 hours look like in terms of for chess?
1: Yeah, sometimes it's playing the game, some online games, some quick games. Sometimes is uh, going into uh, studying for the next for the next studying your openings for the next games, the mm-hmm. upcoming upcoming tournaments. Sometimes, yeah, I look at some top players' games and see how how they play and, and try to see what I can do like them, some chess books. It's not just playing games all day, all, uh, all 12 hours. It's all parts of
0: chess. One of the things that I wanted to get from you as well is like a bit of a list of your favorite resources or websites or things that you have found helpful to getting you to Grandmaster in your journey. And I know that's like, yeah, it can't be anything, websites, books, or, or even some of your coaches, which I know have been very instrumental in helping you get to where you are.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Definitely the things that have helped me the most are my coaches, I can say without a doubt. I mean, my coaches are Arun Prasad Subramaniam, Magesh Chandran, and Hari Krishna Ventala. They all help me in a very, very big way. Without them, mm. I can't be up here. And, and yeah, some really good books that, that have helped me uh, say, so Devetsky's Endgame Manual, it's, it's a very, very high quality book. And yeah, uh, guard's cal- Calculation Series. I mean, these are very advanced books, but I mean, after you get up high, this is what's needed.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and do you have any access to, like, websites where you play online games? Like, do you have a favorite place to, to meet good chess players online?
1: I mean, Chess.com and lead Chess. these two are very good websites where you can play against anyone. And and the higher you go up, of course, the higher rated points you go.
0: Now, let's wind back a little bit, because I know for myself, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, they might not be too familiar with chess and what a grandmaster actually means. And the fact that you have just broken a 19 year old world record in becoming, it's like 19 or 20 years old uh, world record to become the youngest ever chess grandmaster. So can you take us through the levels that you have to go through to become a grandmaster?
1: So you need a 2500 FIDE rating, 2500, and you you need three norms. A norm is basically a certain a performance of 2600 in a tournament, which is like nine rounds. And mm-hmm. there are a few there are a few other things like you need to have a certain average opponent rating, and uh, they have to be from di- they have to be at least three grandmasters. You have to play, and some federations like you have to play against different federation people.
0: Let me get this straight. you got to play a couple of different grandmasters. You have to play nine rounds in some tournaments. It's like a lot of different requirements to become a grandmaster. So it must have been a goal for you for how long? Like, how long have you set your sights on becoming a grandmaster?
1: I mean, ever since I've started playing chess, I've always dreamt of becoming the youngest grandmaster in the world. I mean, it all started from the st- from the start of it when my dad introduced me to this game at 2 enough
0: Right, right. And so... What does that plan look like? Because obviously, having the goal or dream of becoming a grandmaster is all well and good. But I know that, like, you know, with COVID throwing the spanner in the works and a lot of different tournaments, I'm sure, being canceled or going online, these types of things. There must have been, though, a pretty long plan for you in terms of, like, okay, I'm going to have to win these games to get these norms. I'm going to have to win these games to get invited to this tournament. Like, was there a plan? like that or were you just kind of winging it and just entering as many things as you possibly could
1: i mean i also became the youngest international master and when when that when i made the record i had around like 21 22 months i had a a lot of time almost two years Mm -hmm. and then covid came in and for one one half year i wasn't able to play many games so then we came then we we came up with the plan to come to come to europe in hungary and play as many tournaments as i possibly could so there are some invitational events that you could play to get become a grandmaster like you need to get. Uh, they would tell you in advance how, how many points you need for, for to get this norm and to get the norm. And they would take care of the grandmaster the amount of grandmasters needed and uh, the federation problem.
0: Right. Fantastic. Now, what does it mean now for you to have grandmaster attached to your name? Like, what does it mean for your future in the game, or what does it mean for you, like personally, going forward?
1: I mean, of course, I'm very, very happy, and it. It's a mark of my hard work and everything, uh, but I mean, this is just the start of it. I mean, my next goal is to reach uh, 2,700, which is a Super Grandmaster, and the final and thought, goal is to become world champion.
0: And your final goal is to become world champion, and, and I've heard that your Super Grandmaster isn't an official title, like Grandmaster is an official title, Super Grandmaster yes. isn't official, but it's just like accepted that a rank of 2,700 is like the thing to get to to be a Super Grandmaster. Yes. Is that what your hero Magnus is at the moment?
1: Uh, Magnus is the world champion. I mean, I've looked up to him since I've started playing as because he's, after becoming world champion, he was very, very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, mostly no one is coming close to him. And uh, and also, the way he plays in the end game is also very, uh, very inspirational for me.
0: Yeah, I've heard that breaking down a game into open, middle, and end game is something that. Oh, you know. When I hear end game, I think of Marvel Cinema and Iron Man and these kinds of things. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that that's what we're talking about here. We're we're talking about chess, open, middle, and end. So could you talk our listeners through the three stages of a chess game and how they are so different compared to like what most people might think? Because when I think of chess, I just think of an entire game. I'm just like playing, right? Whereas you're like got a strategy for each section.
1: Sure. So the opening is when at a high level, both of the players, they come very prepared and after at least 10, 15 moves, they both come prepared and they... They just make everything almost instantly. The middle game is when when I think is the most, you can say, creative part of the game, where people, they use a lot of different ideas to try to gain some kind of advantage and so on. And the end game is when the game is going towards the end. I mean, no no one is saying that it'll end very soon, but yeah, it's going relatively to- more towards the end. Like, yeah. You're
0: trying to win. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and what do you think is the most important part of the game? And what do you think you're most strongest in?
1: I mean, there's the most important part because I mean, if you say you mess up in the opening, then the rest of the game, you're gonna be struggling. And the same for the other two parts. Like if you mess up in the end game, okay, that same problem. And yeah, I think all parts
0: of it are equally important. And what's your strongest part?
1: I mean, I would probably say end game as I have studied many end game books and so on. So it definitely helps me play better.
0: Right. now. One thing I was also interested in, and this is kind of related to the fact that I'm currently watching Queen's Gambit, is that, you know, it's interesting looking at from that particular show and the way they represented how she thinks about chess. Now, I don't know if you've seen the show either, but like she she doesn't necessarily see the pieces and the chessboard. She sees like images of patterns and all these different things moving around and different strategies and and different past games that she can perhaps replicate and these kinds of things like she can do a lot of it in her head and I wonder if that's the same for you at all like whether you see chess pieces or whether you see patterns and strategies and past games like after studying for 12 hours a day I'm going to guess like you've gone beyond just seeing a pawn as a pawn like you're seeing more patterns is that correct yes
1: definitely I think it's there interest that I mean to become a great player you need to you need to learn a lot of patterns and try to keep using them in different positions I mean so, say this one pattern doesn't work in this position. You can try the next one, and sometimes it works. And and you sh- and sometimes you learn new patterns. So that. So yeah, I think that I mean, of course, pawn is a pawn, but yeah, I, I see a lot of patterns too.
0: Right. So, what would be some of your recommendations? Would it be studying patterns, or would it be just playing, or would it be looking at games like your games, for instance? You know, games of grandmasters and seeing what they do in tough situations? Like, what advice would you give to students?
1: I would say that uh, to improve in chess, of course, during the game you have to be very calm and at the same time very focused. And, yeah, for the studying part as it's concerned, I think that, yeah, looking at a lot of top players' games and learning more patterns from their games is definitely very helpful. And, yeah, learning more tactical themes and patterns is also very helpful.
0: Now, I want to know a little bit more about the attention and the focus side of things because I guess most 12-year-olds aren't necessarily known for having a great focus or attention span, if you know what I mean, right? Most 12-year-olds are like five minutes or three minutes and then, you know, phone or whatever it might be, but you're able to focus for a very, very long period of time. I know you've played some simuls before as well, so playing multiple games at once obviously like some of the tournaments are extremely arduous in terms of like the focus needed to win. Uh, so how has that developed for you? And how does chess keep you focused? Like how do you stay laser focused and in the zone when you're playing a game?
1: I mean, I guess I, I stay so focused because I mean, this game, it means a lot to me. And I mean, there, I, I think that there's no point of just being focused for one, two moves. And I mean, after some point, then all your hard work in 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 that one game itself, all your hard work will go to waste. So I try to, yeah, I remain focused. And some things to help me focus is that before every game, I do a short prayer and I've learned some breathing exercises. So these also definitely help me stay focused.
0: Okay. But I'm sure that the difference between you having a great game and you having a not so good game mainly comes down to focus. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I believe that chess is a game that requires a lot of concentration. And without that, I mean, even the best of the best players, they can they can mess up badly.
0: Can you tell me a time where you feel like you've messed up badly? And then like, it must be so interesting as a chess player, right? Where you make a move and sometimes the tournaments require the rule of like, once you touch the piece, you can't touch it again, right? Once you move and touch the piece, that's it, right? You've made your move. Yeah. Uh, but it must be very difficult in that sense then, like when you've made a move and then the moment after you've made it, you realize it wasn't the right one and that you've kind of stuffed up. And then that move is just staring at you until you can correct it or until like, you know, it kind of can change the course of the entire game. So how do you regain your composure when things don't go to plan or when you've made a mistake that you didn't want to make?
1: Yes, this the situation that you're mentioning that happened, that happened before to me, I mean, I just try that, okay, whatever you've messed up, you've already messed up. There's no point to to keep thinking about that because then there's no point to mess up the later part of the game too. So I just try to keep keep moving on.
0: Yeah, you can just leave it at one mistake, right? Like you don't want to keep making two mistakes, three mistakes, four mistakes. If you can get out of a game with one mistake, is that usually an acceptable game for you? Or is that like, are you trying to play, or obviously like you're trying to play a faultless game every single time, but... Is like making a one mistake at that grandmaster level, does that mean pretty much it's over?
1: I mean, it depends how big the mistake is and like what kind of mistake it is. Like, so sometimes some mistakes are giving up material, like blundering some kind of tactic or, or some positional kind of mistake. I mean, but yeah, I mean, generally, one mistake can change everything.
0: Right, so it's a pretty high pressure environment there. And I think a lot of people probably think that a high pressure might be having crowds and these kinds of things around you. And sometimes you do play in front of crowds, like pre COVID. Does that affect you at all? Like if a crowd's there and and watching?
1: When the game is going on, I I really don't try to think about these things. I just keep focusing on playing the game because I don't want my attention to get too
0: diverted. Right. So that attention span is obviously like super, super important. Now take us to the uh, tournament in Hungary in where you announced or where you had enough norms and and enough rating to become a a grandmaster. Can you talk us through that whole experience? What game were you playing to get to that point? And uh, what did it feel like when you finally were a grandmaster?
1: Yeah, so the tournament, I, I had a very good start. I had five out of six, which was in these tournaments, you need seven out of nine. So out of the first six rounds, I got five points, which is four wins and two draws. And then in the seventh game, I messed up and I lost and Generally, since you only have a two-point margin, so after losing, it's very difficult to get a norm because I mean you you can make less draws. Mm. So after I lost the seventh game, I needed two wins in a row to get the norm. So the next game it was it was a very tight game, and somehow in the end I managed to win. And the most difficult game I can say is my last game where I was black against a strong grandmaster uh, Leon Luke Mendonca. and that game was the game that made me a grandmaster. It was throughout the whole game it was very equal and. Somewhere in the end, he under time pressure, he made a mistake. And, and after that, I was very, very happy. That was probably the happiest moment of my life.
0: What's it been like for you to now become a Grandmaster? And is that more pressure for you or less pressure for you now that you've actually become a Grandmaster?
1: I mean, yeah, I don't really think about these things. But I mean, after becoming Grandmaster, I can say I was more relieved. As when we were in Hungary, I was we, we were staying there for like, we only booked a one-way ticket and we were there for around three months. And towards the end, I was missing Norm by uh, by half point, one point, very marginally. And I was very relieved, of course. And I mean, yeah, I don't really, these things I see, of course, but yeah, I try not to think too much about that.
0: I guess like now that it's done, it's done. You can kind of just relax a little bit and people can watch you and whatnot, and they can check out your future games, but you, you've achieved what you wanted to achieve at the moment, which is great. Now, talking about what what's coming up for you, I've heard you want to go to one of the big tournaments there in the US.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, after some more time, I'm planning to go to some very big, some big tournaments because, I mean, after you get a faster certain rating, you, if you, you if you keep playing these events, you'll gain less points. So, yeah, I'm planning to go to some big tournaments and improve my game from there.
0: I'm going to guess there's not too many other 12-year-olds running around as, like, a grandmaster. Well, obviously, like, there's probably none who are a 12-year-old and, and grandmaster title. What's it like for you? Do you feel like the other players... Uh, like, oh my gosh, there's like Abby, He's like some kind of genius or prodigy. Or do you feel like you're an equal among these guys who are maybe like 15, 20 years older than you? Like, how do you feel the relationship is with other players around the world?
1: I mean, I believe that nothing else matters apart from the moves on the board. I mean, it doesn't matter how old they are, what the rating is, but everything is what the quality of moves on the board is. I mean, I don't think there's much else to it.
0: Yeah. And let's talk a little bit more about you know what you're doing outside of chess like in terms of school are are you still going to school and when you're doing 12 hours a day on chess obviously like that's your focus but what's your kind of school chess balance at the moment
1: yeah school was it's also a very tricky situation so to avoid this kind of thing where I'm missing school last year I finished two grades in one year so so I so this year I didn't have to go at all and because we knew this would become very tight so we decided to just finish two grades in one and just don't 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 even worry about it. This
0: year. okay, that makes sense. So your school must be pretty flexible then, with uh, with how it is trying to accommodate you and your chess schedule, right?
1: Yes, it was a private school.
0: Okay, good stuff. Well, you might look at the Crimson Global Academy as well. It's an online school that Crimson runs and students can join part-time or full-time and it's online. So if you go to Hungary for three months, for instance, you can still do some classes there. Uh, So that might be an option for you. But uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about what you want to do post high school. Are you thinking about college at the moment at all? Because I know that like some college chess teams are fantastic. There's some really great ones in Texas and Webster University, but Are you even intending to go to college or are you just going to go straight professional chess player?
1: I mean, frankly, now it's a bit too early to think about these things. I haven't even put much thought into this. I mean, probably I'll become a professional chess player.
0: Right, right right, well, I thought some universities might be very interested in your story, and they'll be like, "Oh, to have a grandmaster on our team would be pretty awesome, so, uh, yeah, you might see if there's any universities down the track who are interested in having you on board and and what role has uh, your parents played in this journey, because I know that your dad has been like very, very much a part of your journey to being a grandmaster, and your mum has been a fantastic support as well, but from your side, like what have they given you that you probably wouldn't be able to do on your own?
1: Of course, without my parents, there's none of this. Like none of this would have been possible. I mean, yeah, my dad. When I was two and a half, he started. He, he introduced me to the game. The reason was he was worried that kids were getting too addicted to electronics at the time, so he wanted me to do do something else. And yeah, I started liking the game. And his role throughout my whole th- my whole career was that he would. I would tell him where, where I would want to be and he would come up with the goals for that. Like I would say, I want to become a grandmaster and he would come with he would come with the requirements of what needs to be done. And yeah.
0: Play a manager there in a way where you're like, yes. hey, yeah, this is what I want to do. Make it happen. Like, give me the pathway to get there type of thing. Like he's a, he's a coach in a way, but more like a planning yes. coach and your chess coaches are there to actually help you improve your game, so to speak. Oh, that's an interesting relationship. And your mom, how, what role does she play?
1: Yeah, she's also been very, very supportive of the of the whole process. I mean, yes, she was also a big backbone.
0: Have either of you, like your mum, your dad, you ever thought at some point through the journey, like, is this worth it? Because it sounds like so much work. I'm just saying, like, was there a moment where you were like, oh, yes, it, let's let's not do it anymore, right?
1: Yes, it's happened multiple times, but I mean, we just kept on moving on, and the, once the success was very sweet, so whenever it would come it was it gave us more motivation to keep trying
0: absolutely absolutely now one question i am interested in is that like in the past like 50 60 70 years chess has been a way that world powers mainly russia and the us have competed somewhat like oh we've got the chess champion and you know usually it's a Russian like a Gary Kasparov or something like that but of course like India is certainly on the rise in terms of chess and has always had amazing chess players and now you've got obviously some Europeans like Magnus Carlsen etc because you are American and Indian heritage do you see yourself more as like playing for America or playing for India or like just playing for yourself I
1: mean, I was, I was born and born in the U.S. I think I'll I'll keep, I'll keep representing the U.S.
0: Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But there are some fantastic players coming up from around the world. Is there any particular hotspot of chess that you see that you're like, oh, my gosh, the, the other students, like when I'm talking hot spot of chess, I'm not talking like people who are in their 20s or 30s, but other young people. Do you see any like really great chess players coming out of any particular country?
1: Yes, India is definitely has a lot of very strong chess players. To name a few, Gokesh could be one, pragnanda uh, Nihal Sarin. These are all very, very strong and talented young Indian grandmasters.
0: So they're maybe like a couple years older than you?
1: Yeah, like uh, two, three years older.
0: Right, right. Do you have a strategy for each person that you play? Like if you are going into a tournament and you know that like, you're going to be playing this person, this person, this person. Or for instance, like you might even only plan for a grandmaster that you're playing, right? Like the one that you played in Hungary. Do you have a strategy for them and like a specific plan or do you just have Arby's plan and like you hope it works regardless of who you're playing?
1: I mean, definitely for some people after 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 studying their games carefully, we we sometimes we purposely change the opening because we feel that sometimes they're weaker in this in this side of chess versus the other kind of opening. So yeah, I mean, it varies from opponent to opponent.
0: Okay, so you <laughs> you are adapting your strategy. How difficult is that to adapt a strategy that you've practiced like hundreds of times? Or have you practiced like 10 different strategies hundreds of times?
1: Yeah, it's difficult, but it's rewarding at the same time.
0: Yeah. Now, chess players often have Phenomenal memories. Is that something that you see as being a common trait among top top chess players, like having a really amazing memory for games and patterns?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, all these top players. I mean, one uh, that uh, memory is a, is a essential part of the opening, the opening phase. Like, without good memory, it's very difficult to play to remember all the details of the of the variations you prepared. It's yeah, you need you need a very good memory. Sometimes these variations they got twenty five, thirty moves long.
0: Wow. Okay. So when you're trying to remember these patterns, are you literally just like stepping them out on a board or how are you remembering a long strand of different moves?
1: Yeah. I try to revise that as much as I can before the game because I feel that more revisions helps you remember these kind of things easier.
0: Okay. So what does revision look like for you?
1: So uh, my dad would use the laptop. uh, I'll have a board out and so basically, what would happen is I would say my so there's two moves for each side, right? So say it's a file from the white side. I have to play. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll say my move, then he says the move from the other side, and and we would keep doing this until the variation ends. And if any, if anywhere I got the variation wrong, we would we would go back from the beginning and do the same thing.
0: It kind of reminds me of like learning lines for a play, right? Yes like someone's there with the script in front of them. You're the actor in this situation. You have to remember your lines and I'm there reading the other side, like the other dialogue, and then double checking, like, have you got everything right in the script so you can be, you know, success on the big stage, which is exactly what you've been doing. Now, Abby, obviously, like there's you know so many people out there who want to try and emulate what you've done. What are some of the things that you would warn students about if they were to try and chase the same kind of goal that you've achieved
1: yes I would say that it requires definitely a lot of your time I mean if you if you only do it as a side thing it's I think it's very 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 difficult to, to go above a certain level and yeah it's you need a lot of time and you need a lot of patience also good memory all these all these things
0: and like need the, the whole support of your family and everybody needs yeah. to be on board. Like it's not just you yeah. having the goal, it's it's everybody around you having the goal. And also like the cost of it all, like having three coaches flying to Hungary. I know like your dad did a GoFundMe, uh, which was very helpful, I think, like a super smart idea to try and like help fund your journey to, to becoming a grandmaster. Like I wouldn't have thought chess is a, an incredibly expensive sport to play, but at that level, it can be, right?
1: Yes. Currently, my parents, they've put in all their life savings. And yeah, based on this thing, I would request all the viewers to help us find some kind of corporate sponsorship.
0: Yeah, well, I I know that that, that's a goal at the moment. So we can certainly put the word out for that and see if we can get you some sponsorship as well. Because it's one of those things that playing chess at that level, yeah, certainly requires a little bit of uh, travel and all these kinds of things. But is there any other advice that you would give to students before we... uh, Part whether it be about like how to improve their chess game or focus or memory or anything else
1: yeah i would say that you have to work very hard and and yeah learning tactics and a lot of themes will definitely help you a lot
0: fantastic fantastic well abi it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you thank so much you. for giving up your time and all the best for your journey to become a super grandmaster. master uh, for students who wanted to follow along with your journey what would be the best way to do that
1: yeah. You can see my games from the, from the websites. Like chess 24 is a good website. Whenever, whenever there's some event going on, it'll show, it'll show all the games of that event. So yeah, I mean, these kind of websites are definitely, they can help you see my games.
0: Okay. So chess 24, will put your Twitter handle in there as well. And of course, like if they can potentially find you on chess.com, they can go on and, and maybe play you, but I'm going to guess you're quite selective about who you play, right?
1: Yeah, I I try to play higher rated people because, I mean, I I don't really have that much time. And yeah, so.
0: Right. So if you're a student out there looking to play Manu, you you better hope that you're a grandmaster as well. Um, So you can at least get a game because time is precious. So you can't be spending too much time playing anyone. So, all right, Abby. Well, thank you so much for your time again and look forward to sharing the episode far and wide. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.